0: He said, but when you consider the property taxes that you never get back and that go up, and especially depending on where you are, the $20,000 HVAC system that you got to fix every few years, the roof, all this stuff that goes on. And now, you know, perhaps inflation and then cost of living goes up. So you sell it and then you go into a bigger home, but then you're just paying more and more and more, you know? And I thought I had been conditioned to think, no.
1: Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you have got to reduce it. To join our community, go to myworstinvestmentever.com and receive the following five free benefits. First, you get the risk reduction checklist I've created from the lessons I've learned from all my guests. Second, you get my weekly email to help you increase your investment return. Third, you get a 25% discount on all a. Stotts Academy courses. Fourth, you get access to our Facebook community to get to know guests and fellow listeners. And finally, you get my curated list of my favorite top 10 episodes. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A Stots Academy. And I'm here with Kurt Mercadante. Kurt, are you ready to rock? I am ready to rock and roll. I'm going to introduce you to the audience. And before I do that, for the viewers out there, I'm just going to share a a little book that I showed Kurt before we got started. And this is the book called Strength Finders. I found it one of the most excellent resources to understand myself and my strengths. And my top five are Activator, Strategic, Maximizer, Significance, and focus. So Kurt Mercadante specializes in helping business owners deliver the right message to the right clients to generate the right revenue. For 23 years, he has counseled small businesses, entrepreneurs, as well as some of the largest corporations and associations in the US, in fact, even the CFA Institute. He's built three profitable businesses, including a seven-figure PR and ad agency. Kurt has trained, coached, and delivered keynotes and workshops to clients across the globe. He is a Gallup certified strengths trainer, a certified human behavior consultant, host of the Authority Brand podcast, and author of the best selling book, Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle. And speaking of freedom lifestyle, Kurt and his wife, Julie, are currently traveling the US with their four. Children. My goodness. Kurt, take a minute and fill in further tidbits about your life.
0: Yeah. Thank you for that. All lies. You just read, I sent them to you, but they're all lies. Don't believe a thing that Andrew just said. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate being here. And, you know, freedom is what it's all about. We decided last year as the world was on fire, what the heck? Let's just sell everything we own and, and hit the road. And, and we've been having an absolute blast. And as I tell people, we're traveling where we feel we're. We're most free and fulfilled and it's working out so far.
1: That's fantastic. And tell, tell the listeners out there about the podcast and your book so that they can kind of understand what they would get from, you know, getting involved in these things.
0: Yeah. So one of the, I mean, you read what I do, right? Message, right? Clients, right? Revenue. And the reason I do that is that's the basis of building what I call an authority brand. And when you build that authority brand, it enables you, it fuels what I like to call a freedom business. You know, I had a 5 uh, seven figure PR and ad agency and three and a half years ago, I woke up on a Tuesday morning, I shut it down at peak revenue, fired all my clients. I was 60 pounds heavier. I wasn't being an epic dad, epic husband, anxiety attacks. And I just wasn't the person I wanted to be. And I woke up and I was supposed to fly to DC. We were living in Charleston, South Carolina at the time. The following week, it was Thanksgiving week. I was supposed to take the week off and it didn't stop everyone from calling. Well, just hop on this call, hop on this thing. And I woke up Tuesday and I said, if I go to that meeting next week and my plane goes down to or from that meeting, is it worth it? Mm-hmm. And the answer was nope. And I fired them all. And I started my current speaking training and coaching company, helping people build businesses that, you know, a lot of people start their business and they want to have freedom they build a prison instead my goal is to help them build something build a business that that allows them to work with their ideal clients and those ideal clients that's not just you know important for profitability i mean it's important for your brand it's important for mental health because you don't want clients who suck because when you have clients that suck it like literally sucks your soul out of you so you work with those people to provide your unique and fulfilling impact and as many of them as you can handle to allow you to still live the life you want to live
1: mm-hmm. And uh, that's inspiring, really. And it's a challenge to the listeners out there. Like, you know, you can reshape yourself completely and you can do it at any time. It just feels like you can't. So I think it's a real good inspiration. I just wanted to, before we get into the big question of the podcast, I was just thinking about, you know, I was thinking about my listeners out there. I know a lot of people either have businesses, want to start businesses, they got great ideas. They've got excitement, they got knowledge, they got passion. And I just want to talk about the message. You know, you're talking about the message, the Mm. right message, the right clients. You're talking about authority, branding, these types of things. And I'm just thinking that, you know, maybe one thing I can do is tell just a quick story about my own situation and then you give me some feedback on that. Basically, one of the things I noticed, and I think it's probably the case for a lot of kind of idea people like myself. We've got a lot of ideas and I've got a lot of ideas of things that I create, things that I use, things that I sell, but sometimes we just get so many ideas that we end up kind of confusing people about our message. Now, I went through a process with one of my guests where I kind of, this was an episode with Chris Reed, who is an expert in LinkedIn, and basically he has a pink mohawk and he's a CEO. In fact, he's the only CEO in the world with a pink mohawk. And I thought to myself, what's my pink mohawk? And I decided that I would introduce myself as the worst podcast host of my worst investment ever podcast. And I just thought that that would be the most unique thing that I could do to get, get noticed in this world. But I just would be curious about you know, my business. I do valuation. I have the valuation masterclass. And I do many, many other things. But I'm just curious about your observation of that.
0: Yeah, what what I like to say is that, and this is true just not for financial professionals, but for all of us, right? We're business owners, right? We're smart people. Most of us, maybe not me, but, but most of us are smart people. And most of us have a lot of ideas. The problem is when we meet our potential clients, we have all those ideas and we want to share them all with that potential client. And we often go up to our potential client, we share all our bells, our whistles, our bullet points, all our ideas, everything we offer, our background, our experience, all of that. And I call that verbal vomit. We verbally vomit all over them because all that client wants to know is, what's in it for me? They may love you as a human being, they may have empathy for you, they may wanna go out on the golf course and have a beer with you, but guess what? When you start asking them for money, they wanna know, What's the positive impact I'm going to get from using that money? So at the very beginning, you introduced me and said he helps business owners deliver the right message to the right clients to generate the right revenue. If you ask me, if I go to a networking event, anyone asks me, what do you do? I never share a job title. I never say coach, consultant. I never say any of that. I say, well, I help financial services professionals deliver the right message to the right clients to generate the right revenue because that's all about the impact they get when they give me money. The next question is, no kidding. How do you do that? Oh, well, would it be worth 20 minutes to get on a call to learn how I can help you deliver the right message to the right clients? And then when we get on that call, I don't say a thing. I say, I clarify why we're on the call and then I listen. Mm -hmm. So you're having challenges delivering that message to the right clients. You know, where do you want to be at the end of the year? And what are some challenges to get there? And then I close my ears or I open my ears, I close my mouth, I take out my pen and I take notes because they're about to give me the roadmap To everything I need to do to close a deal because there's different things I do. I do corporate trainings, I do, you know, I help people build freedom business. But if I think I know what that person needs, it's not necessarily what they want. And I use the example of Elon Musk. Elon Musk sells a ton of Teslas to people who don't care or care anything about the sustainability aspect, the green aspect, right? If he walked around in sandals and a tie-dye t-shirt talking about saving the world, right, he wouldn't sell any Teslas. He went on Joe Rogan's podcast, three hours and 15 minutes. A little bit was about the environment. You know what it's about? It was about zero to 60 in 1.7, the self-driving car, all that cool stuff. He went on Jay Leno's you know, car show and talked about Bulletproof Glass. Why? Because he knows people want a status symbol. And there's a lot of people out there who pay a lot of money who are like, yeah, it'll help the environment, but here's what I want. You get in to find out what you want. And by the way, in the financial world, a lot of people offer very similar you know, in any industry, right? So you line up 10 people, right? But how do you, so we start with the ideal client. How is your ideal client different from John's client, Jane's client, et cetera? So I had a, a financial advisor go through my branding bootcamp last year. And he decided to niche down The people he really wants to help and who want what he has to offer were people who were probably 55, 60, within five, 10 years of selling their medical practices. So really niche down everything he does speaks to them and what they want. Now, Mm. that doesn't mean if some 40 year old comes through and wants to invest with him, he's going to say no, but when you're going to spend your valuable time, resources, you mentioned LinkedIn. If you're going to go out, I teach people to use sales navigator to build sales mm. lists and go out. There's 262 million active users on LinkedIn. I don't want to target all of them, right? I want to find my ideal clients and I want to speak to them. And by the way, as you speak to them, you're going to find out what they want and maybe you tweak that. So that, that line, like for me, right message, right clients, right revenue. I call that your impact story. I don't call it value proposition. The reason I don't do that is look up proposition in the dictionary. And, you know, unless you're in the business having to do with prostitution, but it's also not a proposal. You're not cutting a deal. It's just, this is how I help my clients. And that person can opt in or opt out. Oh, that's not for me. Great. Oh, Mm. how can I learn more? Great. Come on in. And so you have to know who you're speaking to, know who your ideal clients are and speak to what they want. That's not saying you can't have 20 different businesses, but make sure that when you're in this business mode, you're speaking to these clients about that when you're in this business mode. So,
1: yeah. Okay. So my takeaway from that is my worst investment ever and the worst podcast host is kind of a hook, but then I've got to deliver after that. Yeah. And what I do is help business owners exit their business at the maximum price. There
0: you go. Perfect. Absolutely. Okay.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, and
0: keep not for you. I mean what you just shared yeah. was great. But make sure there don't try to get too fancy or creative with it. You know, like fifth grade level. Mm. And it's not because people are stupid. It's because the English language every word is left to interpretation. And so I have the Authority Brand podcast because my impact story used to actually be help business owners build their authority brand. Well, that word brand Mm. If you ask 10 business owners, it means different things. Oh, you design logos? Oh, wait, you help me with the color scheme for my website? I don't Mm. do any of that stuff. You know, it's message, clients, revenue.
1: That's awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there's a little mini masterclass. What's your message, (laughs) clients, who are your clients, and how do you get them the right revenue? That's a great description. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever and since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be. Tell us a bit about the circumstance leading up to it, and then tell us your story.
0: Yeah. You know, you asked me that question, the worst investment ever. And and I usually, I like to go with the first thing that comes into my gut, because usually that's the re that's, that's like without a filter. Right. And so I'd have to say a home, but not a specific home, all the homes I've ever bought. And we've bought, I don't know, four or five homes in the last 20 years. And I wouldn't have said that a while ago. And probably about three years ago, we got a new financial advisor, actually about six years ago we got, and he, he came in with a different strategy and a lot of financial advisors say, no, don't do that strategy. That's neither here nor there. But one of the things he said is, this is gonna sound counterintuitive. And he was a former CPA turned financial advisor. And he said, I tell my clients, or I, I urge or invite my clients, to not think of their home as an investment unless you're flipping it. You know, you're going to sell it in two years. And it's a, you're, 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 you know, he said, but when you consider the property taxes that you never get back and that go up and especially depending on where you are, the $20,000 HVAC system that you got to fix every few years, the roof, all this stuff that goes on and now, you know, perhaps inflation. And then cost of living goes up. So you sell it and then you go into a bigger home, but then you're just paying more and more and more, you know? And I thought I had been conditioned to think, no, you know, my dad grew up during the great depression
1: Mm.
0: and he told me, son, you always got to own real estate. They can never take that away from you. And so I was conditioned. Right. And so when he told me that, I'm like, okay, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I agree with that over the last couple of years, I, I've come around on it. And, you know, we sold our home last year and, you know, my mom's at a pace where, okay, they've made a, you know, several hundred thousand dollars on their home. My dad passed in 2012, but she's doing it. The home's too big for her. We're like, sell it. She's like, where would I go? Now the cost of living has gone up. Mm. And so, you know, we sold our home last year. I, and by the way, we've also traveled around the world. And we we've traveled a lot through Europe. They don't have the, quote unquote, to quote George W. Bush, the ownership society of homes Mm -hmm. in many cases. They rent. There's a lot of other things they do, like they pick up fresh fruit on the way home rather than going to some mega store and getting 72 pork chops that they're never going to eat, right? And so we're like, wow, people survive with renting. And now, as we've been doing this throughout, I'm going to be hard pressed to ever buy a home again unless it's in the middle of nowhere and I can just pay cash and we're going to be there for the rest of our life. Or, hey, here's an investment. Let's flip it quickly and do that. Now, that's just me. I know some people would disagree mm. with that. I've talked to some financial advisors who said, yeah, you're you're about right, you know <laughs> but mm. but that's that's my uh, I would say that's my word. And we lost big, and we've made it back mm. But overall, it's like you go to a casino ten times, and if you're doing really well, you're even.
1: <laughs> that's where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say you learn? How would you summarize what you learned from this?
0: I think one thing I learned is the conditioning isn't necessarily true. And that applies to a number of things. All the habits that we have because of conditioning, because of society, because of the habits of the people who came before us. And it's dangerous. I -hmm. talked to a guy earlier this week who wants to start his own business, like not fulfilled, not at all. Mm -hmm. But the minute he brings it up, the people around him, and, and something you said at the beginning of this, you said about, you know, you can change and you can make that change. Therein is facing, why would you give up your guaranteed health insurance? Yeah. Why would you give up this? And I told him the story of a high school friend that I had who told the story of his kid had epilepsy and was racking up bills. And the insurance company said, yeah, you're done. So there's a lot of the security we have is an illusion. Mm. And I think over the last year, a lot of people have learned that. Yeah. But Step back, have some discernment and awareness and start asking yourself, why are people telling me this? And society does it this way, but like, why? Otherwise, you're kind of an automaton on a moving walkway that you're not allowed to leave.
1: (laughs) That's, you know, I just want to share a few things from your story. The first one is it kind of made me think about your travels to Europe and your travels around the world. Traveling around the world really helps open up your mind because you can't. It, the whole world can't be wrong. You know. It's one thing to go to another state you know, if you're living in the US and go out. The way they do it in Alabama is stupid compared to the way we do it in Texas or whatever that yeah. is. You know, but to go to places around the world that have had civilizations much longer than yours, let's say, and to say they're all wrong. Well, you know, I think it opens you up. And then once you start to open your mind to that, then it starts to open you up to this you know, the the social construct that we're in, no matter where where we're raised, and it tells us to do certain things. And definitely one of the big things in America is it tells us to do is buy a home. It's the American dream. And everything in America is geared towards that. You know, tax breaks yeah. for mortgage payments. You know, the banks, you know, US banks are rare. You know, most banks around the world would never give out a 30-year loan. How could they yeah. possibly manage the funding of that? And U.S. banks can only do it because the federal government funds Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and they all sell it to them. Bingo. And if they and we didn't you know, learn our
0: lesson from yeah. twelve years ago, thirteen years ago.
1: Yeah, there's a great yeah, book. There were I,
0: people who who shouldn't own homes.
1: Yeah, you can't ha- say that it's, though. It's happening <laughs> right now again in the U.S. My mother's—we sold my mother's house for I don't know what exactly what it was, but let's just say probably sixty percent higher. Her neighbor just sold the exact same condo in Charlotte, yeah. North Carolina. So uh, we're fueling another bubble and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac probably should have been privatized and then let the market rates prevail, but yeah. we don't do that. And so when we push huge volume of people into any industry and into buying anything, we, we ultimately push up the price. But, you know, I was thinking about the fact that the benefit of traveling abroad and what that does to open up your perspective also, I wrote down something I wrote down. Have you, seen, did you ever see the movie, the 40 year old virgin? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I think I've got a, I've got a good one here is that I am the 55 year old renter. <laughs> I've never lived in a house that I bought. I have bought some condo, but I eventually sold it. I was like, nah, not interested. I bought land. I bought some other things, but generally I am just happy to be a renter and It raises some things, you know, I mean, on the one hand, there's so many incentives to borrow in America that it's free money now. It's almost free money. And what many people don't realize, of course, is what you said, property tax, the expenses of maintaining it and all that. But even then, you could argue that with so much tax incentives that are given and so much incentive on keeping interest rates low, it's very seductive. So I just, you know, it just got me thinking about this. It's not for everybody. But for those people that want the freedom of just renting, go for it.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny. We were we went back to Charleston in December to spend the holidays with near friends and we stayed at beach, a house right on the beach, right on the Atlantic Ocean. And it was probably a 30-year-old house, nice house. And they're on stilts, you know, so the ocean comes in. And and we had lived inland maybe 10 miles when we lived there, but we would still like the marsh was there. You'd worry about hurricanes every year. Mm. So I'm sitting there on the deck talking to my wife. I said, man, I wonder what they do if they freak out during, you know, hurricanes and where the water goes. And I looked up at her and I said, you know what? Not my problem. <laughs> and, and We were here in our current house. We're in Sedona, Arizona, and the air conditioning went out and it was nice. If it had happened now, it's like a hundred degrees, but yeah, the uh, not my problem. The guy sent someone over, fixed it. I don't have to deal with that. So there's all those little things and it's, it's just a matter of what, what you have a taste for. And, and we didn't have a taste for that, that other piece. We wanted to take something away, one chain away from us to be mm-hmm. able to just be up and free. And we're going to be here, I think for a year now, we're going to stay here for a year. And after a year, if we don't like it, we'll go somewhere else.
1: Yep. So. Yep. And uh, one last thing I would say is that for a lot of older adults, you mentioned like your mother, as an example, The struggle with property is that you end up, you know, spending most of your cash, but you do have your house. So you're, you're asset rich, but cash poor, you've got this big Mm -hmm. asset. And I know my sister has been a mortgage broker for a long time and she sells these reverse mortgages. And we just had a family friend of ours and they just didn't really know about it or didn't trust it or whatever. And they ended up at the age of 90, you know, 88 and 90 having to sell their house and go through all the trouble of that and move into a, a little apartment to get the cash out of the house. So it's just one of those little financial innovations that are pretty, pretty powerful for people as they get older, which is the reverse mortgage. So
0: reverse. Yeah. I see all the commercials. Tom Selleck, yeah. I think Tom Selleck is doing it. I think
1: now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't lived in America for 30 years. Yeah. Basically, Basically, commercialism ruins everything just like politics, but you know. Anyways, yes. <laughs> So, based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate?
0: I think discernment, which is, I, I guess, a subset of awareness, but don't just take things at face value because someone you know said it, or someone on TV said it, or some mm. expert somewhere said it. Mm. Do your homework. Be yep. your own, when it comes to health, be your own kind of physician. Don't just trust, get a second opinion. You know, when it comes to financial advice, don't just, oh, I've been working with this guy or this gal for 20 years. Therefore, that doesn't mean they're they're right, you know, shop around, look around, but also apply our greatest weapon, which is creative thinking,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: sit back and think, okay, wait a second now. And think back, by the way, it's easy here in the U.S. especially, right? And maybe it's maybe it's the same around the world but here in the US I mean we think so short term. Yeah. And so, you know, when I hit 40, which is when I shut down my agency, it was like that was when I hit a wall because you know, your whole life is geared toward 59 and a half because that's what you're putting money toward because you can take money out of the mm. you know, they control your money and I never liked that by the way. Yeah. It's like I can't my money's there. I could be dead in eight years or a year or a yeah. day, right? When I hit 40, I could suddenly see 59 and a half around the corner. I'm 46 now. And I was like, wait a second. And so all of a sudden, I started thinking in 10, 20 years. When you're in your 30s, it's like, I'm I'm Superman. Nothing's ever going to happen. And then you hit 40, and and people around you start passing away. And, and so think about 10, 20. It's going to – you may not think it, but it's going to be there very quickly. Mm-hmm. So think where you want to be. Think of it with the end in mind.
1: I thought about a, like a child, an infant basically thinks about the moment and a kid thinks about the lunch coming up and a, you know, a teenager thinks about the date on the weekend and a 30 year old or 25 year old thinks about, you know, success on that job for the year and getting their annual bonus or whatever that is. But yeah, when you get to a, a later age you start thinking you know longer term like you see the horizon And once you see the horizon all of a sudden it changes your thinking i remember my father said to me the thing about getting older is that it's the first time that i have seen the horizon shrinking hmm. i always saw it expanding that i could do anything i could you know go anywhere and i now i see it shrinking and that you know hmm. yeah things change so yeah Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months?
0: The word that comes to mind is creativity and unleashing my creative flow on a regular basis. You know, as a business owner, it's easy to get, I call them the hustle and grind pornographers. They sell a lot of books. They get a lot of video views and it's, you know, I like to, I read a lot of Taoism and you know, think of yourself as a mountain stream and you're with the water flowing down the stream, right? And a challenge in life, a boulder comes in front of you. That's a challenge in life, right? The hustle and grind pornographers will tell you, you swim toward that boulder, you grab that boulder, you beat your head against it till you're bloody. And by the way, if you give up, you're weak, have some more coffee, right? Adrenaline. So that's the hustle and grind pornographers. What I urge people to do is see the boulder, don't get panicky, Because when you get panicky, cortisol shoots to your body and you're literally dumber, right? It's fight, (laughs) flight, or freeze. When you sit back and you yield and you take a deep breath, you can see the whole playing field. You can see the whole stream. And so what I like to do is, wow, when you think creatively, oh, I can flow to the right or I can flow to the left around the boulder. And when I do so, I'm waving at the hustle and grind people. They're all bloody. And I'm still going toward my vision. But you can't do that unless you employ your creative thinking because- when challenges are come in life, right, you can either turn them into excuses or you can turn them into outcomes to be achieved. And that latter, if it's an outcome to be achieved, requires some sort of answer, some sort of creative answer. And we as humans, we never should have been out of, let out of the caves, right? I mean, we're not very large as far as animals go. You know, it, the environment is, is, is horrible. It always has been storms, whatever else. The only reason we survived was our creative thinking. And so when we employ that, we can do anything. The key is when we employ it. And I'm not always, I'm not always convinced we always do. And, and, and that's, you know, that's more of a political statement. But, but I think that individually, it's easy not to do it, especially in a world where there's a lot of you know, uh, fear and panic porn on TV and social media, et cetera. Take a deep breath, step back, yield. It'll allow you to think more creatively and get in that state of flow.
1: That's fantastic. And um, all that fear and panic that's out there means that your competitors or the other people around you are distracted for sure. And so if you can be the person that sits back and says, I'm not going to let that distract me right now. I'm going to focus in on who I am, what I want to do, what I want to be. you know, Now's the time. Absolutely. 100%. Listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. My number one goal for the next 12 months is to help you, my listener, reduce risk and increase return in your life. To achieve this, I've created our community at myworstinvestmentever.com, and I look forward to seeing you all there. As we conclude, Kurt, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of Dots Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience?
0: be out to go out there, be creative when the world's burning around you. What is it? The uh, gunga din when the world is, you know, keep your head about you and think creatively and you
1: won't go wrong. Amen. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow and protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott saying, I'll see you on the upside.